RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio. As I mentioned earlier in the program, we were going to be speaking to Sue Gray. And we are right now. Sue Gray joins us to uh, tell us about the High Court action that has been launched by her and Brian Tamaki over election campaign funding. And Sue, welcome to RCR. Nice to have you back. Thanks, Paul, and my pleasure to be there. Thank you. Okay, so is today a bit of a day for this, is it? Are you in court today? Yes, it's a huge day today. It's all been um, got into court very, very quickly because obviously it's urgent with the um, imminent election and, and the broadcasting allocations have to be sorted. So the court's been great and given us an urgent hearing. Okay. Today's the day. Okay, so what's at stake here? Well, what happened originally is that there was concern that richer political parties might um, spend more on advertising, and that might be unfair, and particularly on television advertising, which is the main way that voters get their information. So the state set up a monopoly for controlling all radio and television advertising. And they set up that monopoly where Parliament gives funds to the Electoral Commission and the Electoral Commission allocate them between the parties. But what we say is that that allocation is itself incredibly unfair and it basically protects the two biggest parties and it disadvantages all of the other parties. So it does the opposite of what the MMP system is supposed to do, which is to give more diversity in Parliament and give all parties a fair chance. Right. So what will you be arguing today? Yeah, so today I'm arguing for the New Zealand Outdoors and Freedom Party vision and Freedom for New Zealand and also the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party want to join in um, and we're arguing that the allocations given are unlawful because they don't take into account the Bill of Rights and the obligation to promote a genuine election that's required in a democratic society such as New Zealand. So that's the first main part of the case. And we say that the 20 times allocation given to Labour compared to the smaller parties is actually distorting the election rather than creating a a fair opportunity for all and a fair opportunity for the public to be informed about what their options are. So that's the first part. And the second part is about um, groups of Parties. So what's happened is um, several smaller parties have joined together under the Freedoms New Zealand umbrella and under that umbrella they um, each agree to some policies that are, are group sort of freedom policies but then they each continue to have their own policies and the law, the, the Broadcasting Act requires every party to get a fair allocation to convey its policies on television to the public. Um, but what the Electoral Commission has done is it's worked out what the minimum allocation is, which well, what it thinks is a fair minimum, um, 66,000 for the small parties compared to 1.2 million, say, for Labour. Um, but then it's saying if you're a group, you all have to share within that one minimum. So they're trying to divide the minimum between three or four qualifying parties, which we say is extra unfair. From your point of view, are they doing that well, for what reason? 
Look, I don't know what reason, um, but the fact is it's unlawful, we say, um, because, you know, I think they're doing it just because that's what they've always done. You know, that their focus has always been on first-past-the-post, national and labour, and they've never really adapted what they've done to the MNP system. Well, and it's been and 25 still, years or 27 <laughs> I years. I know, and they... And they still haven't. The interesting thing is the submissions from almost all of the parties that, that we've got um, through the disclosure process show that um, pretty much none of them think that the allocation system is fair. And the um, independent electoral review says that the allocation system isn't fair. But the Electoral Commission just seems to keep doing the same allocation that it's done, which is basically in proportion to how many votes you got last time. And how many votes you got last time, well, that's a sort of retrospective, backward-looking way of doing things, which is what we say is you should be looking forward to create a fair election going forward rather than locking in the old. You know, it, it's almost like you're the sort of, the small parties are the sort of untouchables that once you're a small party, you have absolutely no chance of getting more vote because you get no, no broadcasting allocation sufficient to get your policies out to the public. So they're, they're entrenching the old, the old status quo rather than creating a fair opportunity going forward. You'd think it would be the, in the interest of the nation to uh, make that advertising available for nothing anyway. It's just a civic duty of the broadcasters. But that's another issue. Yeah. Well, that used to be until 2017. Television One, the state broadcaster, had to make free opening and closing um, oh, submission right. time I, available. I remember those. Yeah, they used to play at the front yeah. of the home show. Yeah, yeah. prime time viewing, you've got a minimum of a minute for the opening and the Court of Appeal said that every party should get a closing as well. But what we now get is the funding now is basically enough for two 30-second ads, which especially when you've got a group of parties, you can't even say the names of all the parties in 30 seconds, let alone what their policies are. Sorry, you, 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 two- you're telling me that 66K only pays for two... Did I mishear that? Two 30-second no. ads? Yeah, the, um, the the advertising schedule they've given us is around $24,000 for one prime time advert under the 20, 2023 prices for October that are predicted. So it, they're extremely expensive. You can have a you can have an ad earlier in the day or you know off peak, but it's really got to be a peak time ad so that people can understand, you know, people can hear it. Yeah, well that's really probably not going to do anything. No, it's hopeless. It's a drop in the ocean. I mean, one of the things that that one of our witnesses has suggested is why don't they make Parliament TV available over the election time for parties to broadcast their policies so that, because at the moment you have two 30-second ads on TV if you're lucky, and then you've still got all the costs of preparing those and, you know, who's going to see them. Just two, it's different if you've got a whole campaign going. But... Otherwise, you're on social media, and and some of the parties, including the Outdoors and Freedom Party and the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party, get banned. I mean, the Cannabis Party, every time they try and put an advert with the word cannabis in it, which is in their name, basically get banned. So, you know, there's all of these other problems as well, plus all of the kind of nasty comments on social media that make it not a very nice place to be. So we're saying, look, let's think outside the box. Wouldn't it be great to have a platform over the election where people can go and get 
fair information about all of the choices, not just national labour, national labour, national labour, which is pretty much what we get at the moment, um, and and make it actually a fair election. Okay, so is this the system looking after itself, or is this just an artefact of a bygone era that, you know, as we are talking about before, that they're sort of not in you know, <laughs> barely yeah. into the 21st century or whatever. Um, how do you see it? Is it, it, it sort of kind yeah. of set, the, the playing field set that way to purposefully yeah. make it difficult for folks like you? Well, it's definitely making it difficult for new entrants. I mean, there's been no new entrant party. One of the pieces of evidence we've got is Professor Claire Robinson, who's an expert in electoral systems, and she did a submission to Parliament when we were there on the last election, and she said, you know, there, there hasn't been a new electoral party that's that's got going. And my interpretation is this blocking of access is the main reason. So I don't necessarily think they're doing it intentionally. I think they're just doing what they've always done and sort of allocating yeah, but it's, but, but it's obvious. It's obvious the outcome of it. Anyone with a brain can see that it's an, a terrible constriction. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and all of the parties say it, you know, and the Independent Electoral um, Commission review says it, it says it. And it's even worse, the parties in government have a whole lot of other advantages. You know, they have paid MPs, paid staff, media advisors, they get free travel so they can do all their campaigning and parliamentary services pay for them to share their policies. So, you know, you get these brochures in the mail. If you look carefully, they're generally yeah. um, funded by parliamentary services, whereas the new parties are a whole team of volunteers volunteers who care deeply about creating a better future for New Zealand. They're, you know, pretty much doing it on a shoestring budget. And then the system is blocking them on top of that. Especially at a time when people really want to have options and and know about uh, uh, other parties and, and where they could vote. There's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. How do you think you'll do? Yeah, wonderful. Sorry. Oh, well, I, I was just going to say, one of the, the, the Electoral Commission's got its own report that it commissioned after the election, and the second main reason for people not voting is that they don't know who to vote for. And we say, well, that shows that the system at the moment is unfair, that they're not getting the policies of parties out to the public in a fair way. So people are thinking that there's no choice that suits them, whereas if they did have access to the other policies of the other parties, they would say, hey, wow, this is great. Yep. You know, this is exactly what I believe. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. They could make the bloody effort, couldn't they? Yeah, they could. They could. But, you know, look, we've got to look out for the people that genuinely do want to vote and the ones that are willing to vote if they're given the opportunity. And, you know, at the moment, if, you, if you're silly enough to sit and watch TV every night in the election time, you see National Labor, National Labor, National Labor. You don't even know that there are any other parties. It's only the people that sort of get out and really actively search that find anything different. You mean people with so a brain? Just, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Or the people, you know, but the elderly and the elderly. And I mean, okay, well, I know, forgive I them, most- but, uh, you know, there's a mass of people in the country. And- yeah, well, look, you know, and we do have to be responsible for our own future. You know, the public actually needs to step up. If we want a future, it's no good moaning about what we've got. We do have to step up and do what we can do to create what we want. And a lot of people are trying hard to do that. You know, the people that went to Wellington protest, they were all there saying, look, we're not happy, we want change. And, you know, the people that have set up new political parties and, and are coming together in response to the request for unity, you know, we're doing we're doing what the public want, but we 
only are talking to a small percentage of the public. And it's fantastic being on your show. That's another bunch of people that will hear about what's going on, which is brilliant. But, you know, the more access people get to realise that there are choices, the more chance there is of actually getting the change that we want. And the system at the moment is just not facilitating that at all. How do you think you'll do? In this, well, I I trust the system. I go in there. Um, I wouldn't have spent hundreds of hours over the last few weeks pulling this together if I didn't think it was worth raising. It's an important legal question, um, and we're in the hands of the court. We, you know, well, I believe we've got very very strong legal arguments. I believe that the electoral commission's been reading things into the law that aren't there, and it hasn't been looking at the whole purpose of what it doing or what it's supposed to be doing it's just being sort of looking at sort of pedantic details and not the big picture so you know if the, if the court agrees then we'll do well and we're asking for the allocation to be set aside and redone so that in at least each um, small party will at least get a minimum allowance that gives it enough to actually promote its policies convert policies on tv um you know but hey Hopefully the law's the law and, and we'll get the outcome that we're asking for. Okay. Um, well, if you get more money, you, what, you get about another six TV commercials. I don't know if that's going to make much yeah. difference, but you can do other stuff as well. I know that. Well, and it, it, it doesn't help that much. But what would also help is if they didn't have such a wide distribution between the parties that get the most and the parties that get yeah, the least. Yeah, at the moment, 20 deal. times more. But, you know, if, if Labor got, say, four times more than the small parties, you know, that would be... That'll be right. So it's it's us getting all the small parties getting more and the bigger parties getting less so that it is actually a fair election. And then you've got the donors on top of that too, which is another story. Okay, a couple of quick well, questions. Donors aren't, the, the donors aren't allowed. For, that's the whole thing with the elect, uh, the broadcasting money. You can only use the money that the government gives you. you yeah, that's for broadcasting, but that, that means you don't have to spend necessarily money on other stuff as... as yeah, that's right. For billboards and newspaper yeah, yeah, ads and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that's where the donors are really, really helpful. A couple of quick questions. Um, what sort of reaction have you had, and I've only got a few minutes, to Freedom's NZ umbrella? How, how has that gone down? It's been a, a month or so since we talked last. Yeah. How's that been? Look, it's been it's absolutely fabulous. We have so many people coming to our meeting to arrive sceptical and leave really enthusiastic. They can see what we're doing. And, you know, like I say, you don't have to like everyone in the umbrella. If there's one person in the umbrella that you think will represent you, you're going to be a whole lot better off than the system that we've got at the moment. And people are sort of getting ahead around that and, and once we hope that they get their head around it. They will agree that the umbrella is the way to go. And more and more of the smaller parties are saying, we want to come under the umbrella too. Let's, let's see how we can do this. Obviously, they're looking at this broadcasting issue because if they lose their funding, um, it's not such a good thing. you know. But, but the concept is good and there's a huge amount of enthusiasm. And having really different personalities uh, with life experience working together, you actually get good decisions. So, so far... It's great. Okay, and I want to ask you this. Uh, there was a piece recently by Samantha Edwards on um, titled Tamaki's COVID Money Trail. Um, are you aware of that? And has that caused any issues for you? Is there anything in that? Do you want to make a comment on that? Yeah, look, I mean, I thought it was unfortunate. I understand the public concern. But when you look at the evidence that... 
there was there was testing on the car park, and that was set up in 2020 when a lot of New Zealanders were really concerned about the risk of COVID and needed a clear test to go to work. So it was done with a good intention on the 1st of March 2021, just after the vaccines were um, approved. The Tamakis wrote a letter, or a letter was written on their behalf, saying, look, we can't control what the medical um, facility next door does, but we would really, really appreciate if you respect our wishes and don't have vaccination on the premises because we don't think that it is a good thing. And to the best of their knowledge, that's what happened. There was never any testing done there. But there are other clinics with the same 0800 number where they do do testing uh, and, and they do do vaccination. So I think... Um, you know, it's an issue. Everyone's got their own views about where you draw the line. Yeah. Um, and it's messy. But we we have to look at the individuals involved. You know, you can't do this trial by association that, oh, your your member does this or your next-door neighbour does that or the person you had a cup of coffee with did this. Yeah, but if they, were, if, if they were making money out of it, that is an issue. Yeah, the, look, the information I have is that they weren't making money out of a completely separate business. Okay. Um, and so, you know, but there, there are still questions, and we, we're conducting our own investigation. We've got answers to most of the questions. I've actually had to park a bit of that investigation because of the court case, and we right. just had to totally focus on that. Um, so there are still a few more bits that we, we are keen to resolve. But, okay. um, and a quick comment on Democracy NZ, what happened over the weekend. Any Any thoughts very quickly? Yeah, look, I I give thumbs up to some of them are my good friends who have stepped out of Democracy NZ because they're concerned. There's a lot of rumours about Ross Morant and others running things behind the scenes. You know, he was part of this proposal with Don Brash to bring um, vaccines in from Russia. So, you know, the double standards, um, the the Tamakis are harassed because the the medical centre next door might do vaccination, whereas the person behind the scenes at, at Democracy NZ is actually trying to import vaccines. You know, we've got to look at all of these questions and they obviously weren't happy with the way things were being done. I totally respect them for that. Everybody's talking to everybody and we're really hopeful that we can pull a really amazing team together to give the people who want a better future for New Zealand a, a really, really good option. Sue Gray, thank you for your time this morning and uh, we'll be following with interest uh, the proceedings that you're involved with today and, and where they might go, the direction they take, let's say. Thank you so much, Paul. I hugely appreciate your time and, and all the work you're doing to raise awareness on all of these really, really important issues. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.